0: A cry goes out from the king's throne, triumphal shouts, making things known.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we're very pleased to bring you a priest who's a hermit. I thought no better person to speak to an isolation uh, than someone who lives it uh, in, in accordance with what God wills for him. And so we're going to talk to him about that, about the current situation, the coronavirus, but also about what he has done to bring to us what we need to survive and and thrive in this time of social isolation, you might say. Stay tuned. Just before we get started with today's show, I want to address something that's on the forefront of all our minds right now. The coronavirus is affecting all of us, and our reporters have been working around the clock to ensure our readers receive the most accurate news on the coronavirus and beyond. With that said, we are in the middle of our spring fundraising campaign, and because of the widespread fear and panic, raising the necessary funds to continue our mission is in jeopardy. Lifesight News is on the front lines of the spiritual battle raging in the church, especially as more and more are closing their doors. With many people on lockdown in their homes, we actually have an opportunity, a great opportunity right now to reach many people where they are at with hope and truth on their phones and computers. LifeSite remains the only source for a comprehensive look at how this global crisis is affecting faith, life, and family. If you value the work our reporters are doing, I urge you to become a monthly supporter. A generous donor has offered to double your monthly pledge for a year up to $120,000. This is an incredible opportunity to double your impact, to grow our mission, and to support our various efforts, including this show that you are listening to right now. All right. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. And Father, if it's okay, I'm going to ask you to lead us in that.
0: Okay. Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.
1: Amen. Amen. Father. Yes. You are Father Maximilian Mary Dean, who was uh, for a long time, or at least for eight years or so, in Italy, and uh, superior in Italy of the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. Why don't you tell us, first of all, a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, so... um, uh, uh, Anyway, I was with the Franciscans uh, for the Franciscans of the Immaculate for a total of 22 years. Um, the last three of those years was spent discerning, uh, finding a new location. But um, um, so I was with them uh, in the capacity of um, uh, first in formation, also seminary, uh, and then uh, was made postulant director here in the United States for for six years, and then I was uh, asked by Father Stefano Manelli to. Um, head up the contemplative branch of the franciscans of the immaculate in italy Uh, so i had a two-year stint as a seminarian and priest earlier on in italy and then six years uh, uh, in uh, the superior of the two contemplative houses in italy Um, and um, but all along i always felt called to be a contemplative and that's why i ended up leaving the franciscans of the immaculate was when uh, we the founders were removed and the Vatican put the commissioner in. Uh, there was no future really for the Fran- the contemplative branch of the Franciscans of the Immaculate. Uh, and so I began uh, discerning with permission of the commissioner, uh, discerning my contemplative vocation outside the order, and was welcomed uh, here in the Diocese of Harrisburg by Bishop Gaynor as a priest hermit um, to, to pray, you know, for the diocese and also for the church and the world at large. Um, So I don't know if you have any more questions about my background, but that's kind of in a nutshell uh, how I ended up here, where I
1: am now. Absolutely. Well, related to it, though, you had a ministry or a Music ministry, if you will, and uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about that too, because I want to be able to give people who are right now in in quarantine, those in social isolation, uh, a real amazing resource. Go ahead. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, uh, I, let me just say this. You know, when I was in high
0: school, um, I was probably the last. Not probably. I, I think I was the last person you would have expected to be a priest. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was. Um, uh, you know, I was unfortunately heavily involved in, in alcohol and, and all the the scene of my, my time in the 80s. Uh, I played in a number of rock bands, even heavy metal rock bands. Um, and I grew up in a family that was basically a party family. And my mom and dad would have, I mean, they built a house to party. I mean, they had a, a bar where they would hire a professional bartender. Um, and when you came in the front door, it even said, Uh, you come in and there's this brass sign that said, to the bar, with an arrow pointing to it. So that was like the centerpiece of our home. So my brother and I grew up uh, with our parents, uh, drinking a lot. Um, uh, They both actually got arrested for for drinking and driving, and and also my brother did later on. And um, so part of my story, John Henry, is I, I, um, when I was 16, I, I, went to a drinking party with a friend named Chris, and I don't, to be honest, I don't know how we got home. Uh, it was really uh, terrible on my part that I, I drove in that condition and risked his life and other people's lives. Uh, and the next day when I got up to go to work, um, I was still like, still drunk, and I, I, I drove and I was getting on the highway, and I don't know what happened exactly. I was hitting the gas to merge into the interstate and the next thing I knew, I woke up, I was in the hospital. Um, and the reason I mention this is, um, I'm really on a second lease in my life because of God's mercy. Um, I, I got hit, going onto the highway, I got hit on the driver's side by somebody obviously doing 60, 65 miles an hour. Um, and if it wasn't for an off-duty police officer that happened to be maybe a, a mile behind the accident, driving along, um, you know, he stopped, he put a compress on my head cause I was just bleeding all over the place. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I might've been dead. I might've been dead. Um, and so it was a wake up call for me because I could have died at that moment. And yeah, I can make a lot of excuses for why, uh, you know, I mean, my parents had just divorced and they had abused alcohol and, and all the other things you can come up with peer pressure, the et cetera. But in the end I knew what I was doing was wrong and if i died at that moment i'm i'm convinced that i would have been condemned to hell uh but god in his mercy uh gave me a second lease on life and began to call me uh to uh respond to his grace um and uh so a huge part of my whole life was music uh and uh, you know uh I think all of us have you know have kind of a soundtrack a nostalgic soundtrack to our youth and different periods of times in our lives um and uh so uh how can i put this it kind of got me through some really rough times uh even before my conversion you know so when i was sad i could sing or or play music and sort of express my sadness or when i was angry i could you know listen to or, or express my anger through through playing a guitar or something or drums, whatever it happened to be. Um, And so it helped me to get through those very difficult moments. Um, And the thing that's sad is that uh, most of that music that I was listening to or playing uh, was not for the glory of God. Uh, And so that's sort of what has impelled me to record over the years Um, And there's a lot of different types of music that I've recorded, whether it's Gregorian chant or sort of hymns and songs of meditation. Um, And now, more recently, I was just sort of impelled to to, uh, record music that has more of an upbeat. um, So, music that can calm the nerves and keep us focused on God, and certainly we need that in these times. Uh, but also music that can help lift us up uh, when we're getting kind of down and uh, uh, struggling. Uh, so even some non-liturgical music that can help us to get through these times. Um, and so that's that's kind of part of I think uh, as you mentioned, you know, when when we're in isolation, um, you know, I know I meet for me as a hermit. Uh, there are times where the music just helps me to keep my focus on God, uh, to keep my focus on being grateful for his blessings and uh, for his gifts and to respond to his His grace uh, in these times.
1: If you wouldn't mind, Father, give us your website address uh, for your music so that we might know and might make uh, make that available to ourselves. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty much all
0: of my music is on a website called FatherMaxMusic.com. So, F-M-M, FatherMaxMusic.com. And you can stream all of it for free. It's on all the major streaming platforms as well. But the, the links are all there. And there's a couple of
1: music videos as well. Um, and uh, Excellent. I must say, I, having listened to some myself, it's, it's not your... Uh, it's not your I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite fussy when it comes to music and uh, you've got a very beautiful voice and, and the music is great uh, I love Gregorian chant but I, I had to listen to the more contemporary stuff and was very pleasantly surprised I'm, I'm going to give it to my kids now um, as, a, as, past, a, as a great thing for them begins, because as you said music that uplifts the soul Hell's
0: gates are smashed my king he wins Christ our king
1: everything, the battle of the king, war is raging. And uh, what I really don't like is there's often these very, very catchy tunes that the kids know and sing because they're so popular. Because the, 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 the music is great, but the lyrics sometimes they're just so pathetic. And uh, you've got great music and great lyrics. Well, thanks be to God. Well, I mean, like, I loved growing up
0: in the 70s, I loved Steely Dan the music. You know, it was very catchy. Mm. I love saxophone and that was part of it. But the the, the lyrics are awful. They'll send you to hell, (laughs) you know. And so to have that kind of alternative uh, and not just for when we're quarantined, but also, you know, even I just think of like soccer mom driving her son or daughter two or three hours to a soccer tournament. You know, I don't know yeah. if three hours of Gregorian chant going to cut the mustard, you know. <laughs> uh, so having something that's wholesome, that's catchy, that, that has a good message. Um, and that's part of why I think Our Lady asked me to do that, you know.
1: Um, that's great, and I I love that you're you feel you're led by Our Lady and everything. Uh, your your name, Father Maximilian, obviously a huge tie to devotion to Our Lady, but then also Father Maximilian Mary Dean um, is uh, evident gives evidence to your your great devotion.
0: Yes, well,
1: uh, I mean, if we I think we need to tie all this
0: what's going on into what the Blessed Mother's been saying to us all along, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I was just reflecting the other day on uh, Our Lady of La Salette. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the message of Our Lady of La Salette, but when she appeared, this would be 1845 in France, to Melanie... And in
1: an approved approved, uh, uh, apparition, is that correct? Yes, exactly. I mean, they have Mm -hmm. a huge basilica
0: there, and there's even, I think, an optional feast day, optional memorial uh, in the Roman Missal. Of 1962. But the, the key here is, is she appeared to Maximin and Melanie. Uh, and first of all, she was just weeping copiously, tears. And she told them, She says, You can never repay me for what I suffered for you. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, when we think she's the Immaculate Conception, she stood on Calvary and she suffered uh, in union with her son. Um, and offered also the piercing of her own heart to the Father uh, for our sins. So we can't even imagine, we can't even fathom what she suffered, uh, let alone repay her for what she suffered. Um, And in that apparition, she specifically says um, to Melody and Maximin that, the famine that you're experiencing, the, the, all the the bad crops, uh, et cetera. The reason you're experiencing that is because of blasphemy and because you're working on the Lord's day. Um, hmm. So, in other words, there was a direct link to the famine uh, and the sin of, sins of the people. Uh, and then, of wow. course, at Fatima, Our Lady told the the three children, Saints Francisco and Jacinta and and Sister Lucia. Um, She told those three little shepherd children um, that, you know, pray the rosary every day, um, you know, convert, and, uh, you know, live in consecration to my Immaculate Heart, uh, and the Pope needs to consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart. And she said, if you Mm -hmm. don't respond, and she's speaking to all of us, if you don't respond to this message, there's going to be a second world war that's worse than this one, and then yeah. atheistic communism through Russia is going to spread its airs throughout the world. And those things were fulfilled yeah. to the letter. And these are children that were seven, eight, and 10. I mean, they couldn't yeah. make this up. Um, but the yeah. key, I, I guess the yeah. point I'm trying to make is- Unbelievable. The point I'm trying to make here though is that, that these things are always linked to our sins. First of all, Adam's sin is where mm-hmm. sin, is, Adam's sin is where death and suffering and sickness came in. So any sickness, any suffering uh, is linked to our fore- forebear's sin and also our own sins. Um, and I also should mention that, you know, that doesn't mean that everybody that suffers is guilty. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still, I mean, Our Lady suffered. She was totally pure and innocent. But why did she suffer? Because of our sins. Uh, yeah. Why did Jesus yeah. suffer? Because of our sins. Why are people suffering like, like right now in Bergamo in Italy, where you see, uh, all of these, these uh, coffins uh, just and this mass blessing of, of corpses, uh, why they, I'm not saying that they individually are being punished for sin by this coronavirus, but it's because of sin. Um, and when yeah. you look at what happened in 80, 1845, John Henry uh, by La Salette, and compare to what's going on now, I mean, there's just no comparison. I mean, I remember Father Benedict Groeschel, may he rest in peace, uh, he once said to, uh, I was with the Friars of the Renewal before I transferred to the Franciscans of the Immaculate, but he once said to us when uh, Mario Cuomo was elected governor, he said, he said, um, he says, if God doesn't punish New York City, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology, (laughs) you know, and exactly, uh, you know, so. I mean, when you look at the sin, the sin of abortion, the thousands and thousands that are killed every day through abortion, when you look at the sins against nature uh, with homosexuality sodomy um, that mm-hmm. is just being promoted now they're they're gloating in it it's apparently it's just uh, uh and and then when you think of um uh, it's probably the biggest crisis in, in, in this country and probably throughout the world, but it's certainly in this country. Uh, the statistics showed I had a priest that, that showed me these statistics, polls uh, of men between the age of 15 and 30. Uh, and I know I 'm not saying anything new to you, but, but you know he, the, the, the poll is saying that 80 percent of our young men between the age of 15 to 30 are looking at Internet pornography um, okay. at least once a month. And a lot of yeah. them, it's, I've, once a month, it's probably a lot more. Some of them are even addicted. It's a, become a whole addiction. And so, you know, the, the whole, and that, that behind the scenes of that is, is human trafficking. And, you know, even if it's not human trafficking, I guarantee you that the ladies that they're presenting in those movies, they, it's not like they applied for jobs at Walmart. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. dirty, nasty, business, uh, the, yeah. and it's what it is. And anybody that goes and looks at those websites, because besides the fact that there's demons all over the images uh, yeah. that will torment and bother you for the rest of your life, that besides yeah. that, there's this whole fact that um, anybody that visits a website, uh, and maybe people aren't aware of this, when you visit a website, that means traffic to the website and that means that there's more revenue going to the website because advertisers want to, uh, you know, sponsor and get advertising out of that. And so when they go and look at these images, they're actually financially supporting, you know, mm-hmm. th- through through these advertisers and et cetera, they're actually supporting financially human trafficking and, and all these other nasty yeah. things. So it's not yeah. just uh, like looking at a dirty image or something. It's, you know, you're actually contributing to uh, to this culture. And how can God turn a blind eye? I know presidential election coming up, uh, nobody's going to talk about internet pornography. I mean, and yet, and yet between the age of 15 to 30, if you have a thousand of them there, 800 800 of them have looked at pornography on the internet in the last month. And yet they won't say a peep. They won't say a
1: peep. One, one of the things I always say about that, Father, is is Our Lady of Fatima came and told the children that more souls go to hell because of sins of the flesh and, are, as, as Lucia explained, sins of impurity than for any other sin. And so, you know, people often say, oh, it's not that bad now. It was worse in the times past. Well, that's just a plain lie by the numbers, because by the numbers, there are more people looking at porn today on the internet than there were people alive in 1917. So... Uh, it's just an unbelievable situation. But let me ask you also about another category of sin that I think is quite unique in our day. Um, whereas we we talked about all of the sins which which we know uh, lead more people to hell than for any other reason, but there's another sin going on today, um, and that is the sin of heresy in the church from the church from even the hierarchy in the church and i think this is also astounding when our lord uh, said to uh you know the apostles that it would be better for you if you have a millstone tied about your neck and be thrown into the sea rather than confuse the little ones uh, aren't we dealing or seeing perhaps a punishment also for that sin of infidelity on the part of who are supposed to be the successors of the apostles
0: yeah i mean there's there's um Two things come to mind, but uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, I think uh, there's a, a priest that used the analogy of not preaching the fullness of truth. It's like it's like a, a priestly form uh, of contraception, like it's not mm-hmm. allowing the the seed of God's word to bear fruit and go out uh, because they don't speak on certain topics or uh, it, it, they. They just they fail to lead us in our Catholic faith. Um, and certainly, growing up myself in the 70s and 80s, uh, I've, you know, and in my generation, I think we can say we were robbed. It was highway robbery, we never got any catechism uh you know i mean i even uh i kind of laugh at john henry I, I went to the that school the famous school burbuff preparatory school in indianapolis i mm-hmm. don't know if you're familiar with the school <laughs> but they've been all over the headlines because the bishop has said that they can't be called catholic and i mm-hmm. laugh because they haven't been catholic since i went there which was in 83 to 87 and my brother was there till 89 um mm-hmm. And, uh, but I mean, I was there four years. This is a school run by Jesuit priests, and they never, I never was told about the Trinity, I mean, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, that's like the central dogma of the universe, of our Catholic faith. Um, I was never told about the incarnation, that Christ was true God and true man, about the redemption. Um, And we had, I mean, in four years, we had every year we had a full semester of quote unquote religion class that was mandatory, and they didn't talk about anything of that nature. Um, and so, I mean, we're reaping those fruits, and when the, the shepherds and the priests don't communicate those truths to the faithful, um, or if they misrepresent them. I remember uh, Father Richard McBrien was appearing on an uh, it was uh, 60 Minutes had a, an exorcism on, uh, on their show in 1990, they did a special feature and afterwards they had Tom Brokoff interviewing two priests and one of them was Father Richard McBrien and on public television uh, before the whole nation uh, he said that angels didn't exist, which is heresy. Yeah. I mean, it's total heresy. Uh, I mean, I think that's excommunication, uh, latte intensia, that he just, he he denied a dogma of the faith, that there are mm-hmm. angels, that there are demons. Um, so yeah, that's certainly part of it. And the other thing, if I can bring this in, because it's it's been such a heart-wrenching uh, few years for me personally, John Henry, because uh, when I was at Burbuff, I mean, there was a uh, I mean, I, was, I started off at I was uh, My first three semesters, I was a straight-A student, uh, so I was very mm-hmm. diligent and, and worked very hard and respected by the teachers. And I remember the president of the school, a Jesuit priest named Father Joseph Casey, one time, and I don't remember the occasion, but he said, I don't remember the occasion, but he asked me to come to his office. Um and so I mean, I was a this is the president of the school, he's a priest, and so I went to this office one day uh, as he'd asked me to, and I stopped into his office um, and you know what he told me? John Henry, he told me, That's he right. goes, you know what? Uh, he goes, you know he goes, You know you're a very good dancer. I saw you the other day at the dance. This priest was stalking me, he was stalking oh, me and I was just like, it was so bizarre. Like I thought he was gonna talk to me about something important, you know? (laughs) Like, um, and so the thing was then, I don't know, it was a couple weeks later, I was on the swim team at the the time. And uh, you know, we didn't, we were a small private school. We don't have our own swimming pool. So we would always, all of our swim meets were away. So we went out, the swim team, we went out, we were getting on the bus to go to our swim meet. And who was there? Father Casey, the president of the school um, and we thought, well, this is kind of neat because nobody went to the swim meets to cheer us on. And so this priest was coming. And uh, after the swim meet, we get on the bus and he comes back and he makes it a point. I'm like sitting in the, the school bus seat. He makes it a point to sit next to me. There were plenty of empty seats, John Henry. Mm. He sat next to me. So I was basically pinned between this, this stalking priest. Who, and I now know, I mean, the reason he came to the swim meet was to stalk me to look wow. at me in my swimsuit. And, um, uh, and then the other thing at Brebuff, too was uh, that the president, that was the president, the, the principal of the school, Father Bernard Knoth, he hid all the papers in 2003 because he was oh, accused wow. of molesting uh, a boy, uh, a teenager, uh, it would be a homosexual basically, but uh, he, he molested a boy there during the time that I was there um, and he was laicized and also the religion teacher there, uh, there was uh, two feminists and a communist uh, the, the the man was a communist guy and real wacko liberal guy. Um, it was full blown heresy and he was taking the he was a wrestling coach too, and he was grooming the families and he was taking these boys on these weekend retreats and he finally got arrested uh, after he was let wow. go from rebuff um, so The point I'm trying to make here is, from a very personal experience and then as a priest, I've just met so many uh, men and women who have been abused by priests Uh, and I mean, it's just the worst possible thing, Uh, you know, so you talk about the millstone, you talk about the scandal um, and, and it's a huge problem. So yeah, internet pornography, it's a huge problem, but you know, when a priest is not living chastity. When a priest mm-hmm. is, is uh, grooming people and saying that, oh, celibacy just means I can't get married, uh, and grooming young people to, to, and, and other people into these, these sins against chastity, um, you know, how can God not respond in some way? You know, um, and, and that's where I, I get frustrated you know, with the bishops, mm-hmm. even the, the good bishops. It's like, what are we doing about chastity in the priesthood? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you
0: Absolutely. can call in if well, there's other... a case and stuff like that. But what are we doing about chastity in the priesthood? And uh, yeah. that's that's it's and not just not just the pedophilia. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of legal unchastity, <laughs> which is not legal yeah. in God's eyes. But but you know, nobody's going to get yeah. sued in the diocese for uh, right. a lot of those things. Exactly.
1: Now, Father, you're a very interesting case in that you're a hermit, and and today there are many hermits, uh, unwilling, uh, not consecrated like you are, uh, not even uh, feeling that they were called to do so, although now uh, many are called to do so. Uh, So there's plenty of people, both individuals and in families, who are now stuck alone. Uh, Yes, they have access to the internet, to, you know, there's all sorts of movies on, I'm sure, and all sorts of things. But those are for the most part unproductive uses of time and i don't mean productive as in for work i mean productive as in for eternal life and i was hoping that you could speak to us a little bit about being a hermit how to be a hermit today not only so much in your own vocation as a hermit a real hermit but as we are all sort of called in this time to in at least a little bit imitate your lifestyle can you tell us a little bit about what we can do sure
0: well um uh... Let me just say that in my own aramidical vocation uh, – I, I, and then this is something we can all do – is I see my, my, my life as a living out of Holy Mass. Um, And so as many, many souls at this time, and in Italy for a number of weeks now, are deprived even of Sunday Mass, even in Italy they were deprived of Ash Wednesday Mass in many areas, Um, we can live out the Mass, make our life an extension of the Mass, so that we're offering through the Immaculate and Sorrowful Heart of Mary, Jesus, offering Jesus to the Father in union with the Holy Spirit in atonement for our sins and those of the world, um, and trying to open up our hearts and minds to God's grace, just as we do at Mass. Um, now, John Henry, when, when a priest offers Mass, he can have many personal intentions. In fact, the, you know, in the Tridentine Mass, there are two spots for mementos, for the living and the dead. He can have many personal intentions, but he only has one Mass intention. Um, and as a hermit, my Mass that I live out daily, I have one intention. Uh, And it's actually the form of a fourth vow, and that is, I offer everything for this intention, the triumph of the most pure and immaculate heart of Mary. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think um, if we see ourselves in this situation, in this sacrificial, difficult situation, if we see ourselves as united to the heart of Jesus through the heart of Mary and offering ourselves. Um, in this time uh, to the Father in union with Christ in the Sacred Host. Um, It can be a very fruitful time, even though there's that sacramental separation from our Lord. Um, And I would say three things, um, and they're all basically tied into our Blessed Mother. Um, First of all, you have to have a deep faith to profit from a life of solitude. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the fact is, and you read in the the lives of the saints and in the scripture, everything is a gift of God, which Jesus gives us through Mary's Immaculate Heart. So even the difficult Mm -hmm. situations that we find ourselves in, they're either sovereignly willed or they're permitted by God to draw us closer to Him, uh, to help save and sanctify ourselves. And that requires Mm -hmm. faith. I mean, we we don't... we walk by faith, not by sight. What we see is we see a pandemic. We see panic everywhere. We see people dying and getting sick. Uh, we see all of this with our eyes, our natural eyes. Uh, but through faith, we know that God is trying to draw each one of us personally and all of us uh, as church and in the world to, uh, his, his, uh, to his bosom. Um, the other thing I think we need to have is a great hope. So, faith, hope, and charity, I mean, that's what animates the life of any consecrated soul. Um, So, when Our Lady at Fatima, she said to the children, How many souls go to hell because there's no one to pray and sacrifice for them? Well, I'm here because, obviously, somebody prayed and sacrificed for me. I mean, I should have been condemned to hell when I was 16 in that car accident, but somebody prayed somebody sacrificed, and God in His mercy gave me this extension in life and the grace of conversion. Well, right now, the the harvest is so ripe. Um, You know, John Henry, the whole world is being forced to think about their final end. They're all being forced Mm -hmm. to think about the four last things and that's that's I mean you couldn't ask for a better uh, platform uh, for proclaiming the truth that Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead, and that if we heed His call uh, and 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 respond to His grace, we can save our souls. So the, there's many souls I think right now um, that are disposed because of the situation to extraordinary conversion. And so, Mm -hmm. Our Lady's message, how many souls go to hell because there's no one to pray and sacrifice for them. If you make that positive, how many souls will go to heaven if we pray and sacrifice for them? Mm -hmm. And so, we have this beautiful opportunity um, not just to pray the the daily rosary, but maybe to pray an extra rosary, or maybe to pray a divine mercy chaplet, or just to spend some quiet time with the Lord that we might not normally be able to do. Um, or to pray with our family, you know, oftentimes because of all the activities, you know, there's this new opportunity maybe to say and pray together a bit more, knowing that many souls can be saved right now. I mean, the, the, the apples are ripe. I live in the midst of apple orchards, so sorry for the analogy, but the apples are ripe for picking right now, so our prayers mm-hmm. and sacrifices uh, can bring about the salvation and sanctification of many souls um, and I guess the final thing with the virtue of charity uh, is, uh, and actually that that's more along the lines of the charity, I should say that's the charity, to pray for souls. Uh, so let me go mm-hmm. back to hope. The virtue of hope. Our Lady said, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph, uh, and, and those are that's a sovereign part of God's will. Her heart will triumph, and so our charity uh, and our hope is what can I do to help bring about the triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart? Uh, and very simply, praying the rosary every day, uh, having that trust in God, in his loving providence, living out our consecration to the, her Immaculate Heart, um, and, and doing our part. You know, that if, if we have that intention to pray and sacrifice for souls, but also for the triumph of her most pure and immaculate heart, um, uh, we have great hope because this will happen. It will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh,
1: and, and... Absolutely, I think, Father. One of the one of the questions I think on a lot of people's minds, uh, my mind for sure, is right at this crisis time, right as we're trying to uh, live out this faith, hope, and charity in isolation, uh, in in sort of a hermitage of our own uh, imposed on us. Um, yet we're deprived of the one thing that, for many many people, has been the greatest solace on earth. That has been the The greatest treasure uh, that we have, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, daily received by many of us. Uh, That's why I feel so privileged to speak to you, Father. Um, You're still receiving Jesus when most of us, almost all of us, can't anymore. Um, Please speak to that, if you would. Yeah, you know,
0: um, our bishop held out a little longer, maybe than other bishops, um, knowing you know, and it, it's, this is really tough, you know, cause I, I get the pandemic. I get the fact that especially our elderly are at risk. If we continue to spread it, um, that it would just wipe out a lot of our sick and elderly. Um, so I, I get that. Um, and yet, um, you know, on the other hand, you know, you, you just have to ask the question, where is our faith? In other words, the very thing that we need uh, to, to save us from this pandemic is the Eucharist? Is our Lord? Is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass? Um, and so, uh, you know, in a certain sense, you would think that we should be doing the opposite. Um, I think, you know, I've thought of this in, in um, uh, these days that that quote of uh, Saint Pio of Pietro Dolcina, um that uh, you know, it would be easier for the world to survive without Holy Mass. Uh, you know, or f- I'm sorry, I mean, easier the for sign. the world to survive without the, the Sun uh, than to survive yeah. without Holy Mass. Um, yeah. And so I really, you know, when I got the news that here in my diocese that nobody could come to Holy Mass, um, that night when I was making my Holy Hour, I mean, I had tears in my eyes, you know. Uh, and I really, I feel deeply like that non sum dinius. I'm not worthy. You know, I mean, I know many lay people that are much holier than me, you know. And they can't come to mass, but I can, and and I take that very seriously. Um, that I am representing, um, you know, all of the faithful in that holy communion, and bringing just thousands and thousands of souls to the heart of Jesus uh, when I offer that holy mass. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, it's unprecedented. I mean, in in church history, I mean. I don't think we've ever seen in church history where all of Italy can't go to mass on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just unheard of.
1: When you were saying it there, um, it reminded me of that prayer to St. Joseph, whose feast day we just celebrated. Uh, You know, the very traditional prayer that uh, says, we dare not approach now while he reposes near your heart. Uh, Kiss his fine head for me and ask him to return that kiss when we draw a dying breath. Want to say to you father and to all you priests out there who are still able to receive our lord and holy communion kiss his fine head for us
0: and we certainly will and and obviously there are communities uh, uh, cloistered nuns and other religious sisters um, and right now they're being called they're always called to re- represent the whole church as brides of christ But right now, they are the ones that are kissing Jesus uh, and embracing Him and being embraced by His heart on behalf of of all of the faithful, of the whole church. Um, So, it's such a privilege and also a responsibility uh, that we have as priests and religious always, but especially in these times. I think it's like putting a highlighter uh, on the reality of our vocation, our priestly and consecrated vocation. Um, so I will certainly be Amen. praying, you know, for you and, and uh, all those who work with you, John Henry, and all those uh, uh, who are viewing. Uh, as, as I continue to pray for for all souls, uh, for all those uh, who are being afflicted, uh, whether by the disease or by the consequences uh, of what we're we're experiencing right now. Amen.
1: Let's let's talk a little bit uh, in in conclusion about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Uh, Professor Roberto de Mattei and others have have uh, literally talked about this as a, a chastisement, perhaps even the predicted chastisement from Our Lady of Fatima. And uh, it makes reference, of course, to a, a vision that we were given in 2000 as sort of part of the third uh, message about the Pope having to step over Bodies of of the faithful and 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 religious as he made his way up a mountain, and uh, certainly it seems like uh, in in Italy today we can see that exactly going on. The 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 bodies, uh, as we've seen in in video that you mentioned earlier, coffins lining everywhere, army in having to truck away bodies. So that kind of a, a prophecy seems to be being fulfilled in our days, which which Professor DeMatte points out leads also to the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, that that great um, reality for which you offer your own priestly life.
0: Yeah. Well, and and it's interesting that, you know, that prophecy, the Holy Father is climbing over these corpses to the cross. And right now Mm -hmm. we're on the journey of Lent towards Calvary, towards Good Friday. uh, And we know, you know, how, um, I mean, it's just hard to imagine. I mean, St. Peter's... Basilica and the square for the Triduum is going to be probably empty, you know, for, uh, for the Triduum. Uh, I mean, and it's just uh, uh, devastating. And it's like, uh, it's an opportunity for the Pope, the bishops, Father Maximilian, and each one of us to examine our conscience. Um, and say, in my life, uh, where is it that, that, that uh, I'm being unfaithful? and what is it that God is calling me to do um, to respond to His grace in these times. In other words, we can say, mea culpa, it's my fault, you know, Lord, that I have sinned. I, confidior, I have sinned against you, um, and I repent, and I want to change my life, and, uh, you know, what is it that you're calling me to do? Um, So we have to take stake, you know, take, take stake of our lives and take advantage of this opportunity that's being presented to us. And keep our focus on God, and through Him, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for Him to be merciful to us individually and and uh, as a church and, and in the world.
1: Amen, amen. Father Maximilian, Mary Dean, any closing words for us as we conclude this episode? Uh, just
0: hunker down and pray, and uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, if you need uh, some. Uh, just some music to calm your nerves, to help you pray and keep focused on God, or just to lift your spirits. If things are getting a little too heavy. Um, to please, uh, you know, visit FatherMaxMusic.com. You can stream it all for free. I mean, it's just there for the glory of God, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and the salvation and sanctification of souls. Um, and uh, I'm just responding to God's call to, to record the music and to, to write the songs. And I think, you know, John Henry is kind of funny because a year ago when I started that last CD, um, it was a mystery to me. Like, why are you having me record this music? And especially as a hermit (laughs) um, right now. And literally the day I got the CD, it took almost a year to record that that last album. The first when I got the CD that day was the first case of the coronavirus in Pennsylvania where I am. Um, okay. was reported in Philadelphia and now all that music is online um, and it just seems providential it seems like that was part of god 's plan so i 'm just encouraging all of you i 'm praying for all of all of those who are watching uh, for all of you and please pray for me and let's uh, let 's just cling to mary 's Immaculate Heart if I could say one thing cling to our lady 's Immaculate Heart uh, and
1: everything will be all right Amen. Thank you, Father Maximilian Mary Dean. We'll have all those links uh, below this video, so please check them out and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, May God, God bless, you. bless you. Peace. Christ
0: our King conquers everything The battle of the King War is raging Christ our King He's dominating Will you fight
1: Hello, this is John Henry Weston. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the John Henry Weston Show YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. There you will find all the past episodes and much more. Thanks again for watching, and may God bless you.